Welcome to the dossier with Jordan Schachtel. Today we talked about, with my good friend Dave Reboy, the Mark Milley situation. Did he commit treason? Did he launch some kind of coup against President Trump? This is what everyone in America is talking about, and I think that we had a unique angle on all of the madness. Uh, but first, I wanted to talk to you about my sponsor, I Trust Capital. Have you heard about tax-free Bitcoin and precious metals investing? iTrust Capital is a trusted and reliable provider that allows you to invest in these assets using your retirement account. On this platform, you can not only buy Bitcoin, but you can also get involved with uh, precious metals like physical metals like gold and silver. And this platform gives you 24-7 trading access, and it even has institutionally built-in great security measures so you don't have to worry about your funds being safe. When you open an iTrust Capital Roth IRA account, you can buy Bitcoin now and in the future, you can sell it and you keep all the profits, no taxes. Sign up today at itrustcapital.com and use the discount code DOSSIER and you will get one month of completely free investing and trading with iTrust Capital. Don't miss out. Now on to the show. But I'm here with uh, Jordan Schechtel and uh, who has a great substack called The Dossier. I'm sure you all follow it. You all should subscribe. Um, and um, we wanted to talk about what's going on in the news the last couple of days, which is the, the kind of the kind of big thing that is alternatively shocking and yet completely unsurprising if you've been following along for the last several years in um, uh, really since since the election of 2016 and the attempts by, let's say, the permanent national security bureaucracy, which others have called the deep state, um, in their attempts to basically run national security policy for the United States um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and veto the will of the voters. These guys have their own, uh, these guys have their own sort of, uh, let's say, corporate ideological culture, and they are completely uh, committed to it. And any deviation from that culture, as we've seen over the last four years, um, or that or that particular party line or worldview gets you called a traitor or worse, a Russian agent, um, uh, uh, you know, dangerously crazy and incompetent and nuts and, you know, et cetera. Like, you know, and um, and these people, what these people have done is so kind of offensive to the idea of the um the the rule by the will of the people and the the um, the regime that the founders of the, the United States instituted that you know it manifests itself in really silly ways. So, for example, you could be called a traitor or um, you know a, a Russian asset or something simply for disagreeing with conventional wisdom on the subject of NATO policy. It doesn't matter. You know any deviation from this uh, you know ideological fixation. Um, is, um, you know, is, is tantamount to treason. So that's the kind of back, uh, backstory for where we are. And, um, you know, Jordan, if you want to take it from here. Yeah, I thought it would be interesting because like I'm seeing a lot of cable news and corporate press outlets trying to discuss the issue, um, the revelations that came out prior to this uh, Woodward and Costa Washington Post book coming out where in which they revealed 
that um, it seems, according to Millie himself, who was the source for this, that Millie took it upon himself to call China, to call Russia, to call his counterparts, all these defense ministers, and tell them that, uh, you know, if anything happens, he's kind of like the one in charge. And that was my reading of it. And it was very strange because, you know, right wing Twitter is kind of going crazy and Fox News about, oh, you know, he should resign. This is treason. Um, and and I, I agree that he should resign and he committed treason. But I think what happened was actually worse than people realized. M my interpretation of the transcripts and then today's um, steaming non-denials coming from Milley from the Biden administration, basically saying that, you know, he's a patriot and we support him. And uh, there were no, no denials really happened. Um, my impression is that what Milley did is he got together with the, you know, the ruling class in Washington, D.C., um, public meetings with Pelosi, with Schumer, you know, talking about the nuclear codes, really serious stuff. And what he's he assured all these actors that nothing would happen with President Trump. And President Trump is was the civilian commander in chief of the military, duly elected president. That's how the system works. You know, no one elected Mark Milley to make these decisions. And what effectively happened, I keep coming back to this, is that a silent coup happened, that the the military and these the bureaucrats and even some Democrats and maybe even Republicans in Congress decided that we're going to take these powers away from President Trump during his lame duck um, session as president. And that should be, you know, that should totally shock people and people should be really upset about that because they took our constitutional framework and just threw it in the garbage. These, especially these unelected bureaucrats or appointees like Milley who have no authority. And I just, to, to do these kind of things. And I just saw that Chris Miller, uh, Trump's last um, secretary of defense said that Milley wasn't authorized to do any of this stuff. So you're talking to the Chinese, um, the highest Chinese ranking general and telling him that, um, you know, basically we're stable and he's referring to President Trump as the unstable person in the regime, in the U.S. regime. To me, the read on that is obvious. I don't know if you agree with me, but the read on that is that we committed a silent coup and we're stripping uh, President Trump of his authority. Do you disagree? The only part I disagree with is I'm not even sure we're talking about the lame duck. We're talking exclusively about the lame duck session. Um, you know, I, I think that as we go on, maybe five, 10 years from now, maybe even sooner, we will find out that the whole time shit like this was taking place Yeah. from 2017 on. Um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. You know, you, I mean, obviously it's, it's insane. What, what you've got is, you know, you've got, um, you know, you've got unelected people freelancing and saying, Hey, you know what? This guy is a threat. I don't like this guy. This guy is, is sort of outside the Overton window on policy for me. Therefore he is crazy. Therefore it justifies us, you know, basically removing him from the chain of command in a, you know, in an amazingly unconstitutional way. Um, one reason I'm not surprised at all that this happened is because this is who these people are. Mm -hmm. This is who these people have been. 
and um, and they really believe this. You know, this is this is the um, the kind of super patriot mentality. You know, I'm not saying you know people who are actually uh, patriots are are you know are, are are terrible, but people who self-identify as you know the super patriot guard, um, you know, deep state uh, IC guardians of America um, are really overstepping their fucking place. And they have been doing so since 2016. Yeah, and, uh, they're a bunch of animals. And, and they know that they have cover from the corporate right. press and cable news. I, I saw that Max Boot was on CNN yesterday, uh, hero-worshipping these people. And notice how they will uh, they'll say, you know, the, the bad orange man, blah, blah, blah. He, need, he, was, he was unstable, uh, all these accusations. Meanwhile, President... Trump ran on a non-interventionist campaign. He he every time he was talking about defense or foreign policy, it was always about um, not just you know going crazy with bombs and military strikes. And he was sucked into some stuff in Syria, and he never was able to accomplish the departure of Afghanistan. And that kind of goes back to your theory that maybe you know he didn't really have as much control as we thought he did. But but these people are cheering on the Millie incident, um, and it just makes me think. You know, you you've been so early with the uh, you know the national divorce stuff, and this kind of makes the case for you that there are people on the other side who think that the Constitution they haven't considered it that it matters for for quite some time, and this has been very revealing that the Biden regime said you know they have full confidence in Millie, they don't care what happened. I mean, the, the bureaucracy kind of um, supports what they're doing and that's all they care about. You know, whatever happened under Trump, they don't, they don't give a damn. The, the idea that I, I think that there's a lot of people that are allies of ours that are very delusional about this and, and they need to wake up to the reality that Millie isn't going to face some kind of firing squad or, or any prosecution. These people live in, in a, completely above the law, above repercussions. The reason why someone like Millie would commit to this coup plot basically is that he knows there's no repercussions because he saw what the, what happened with the FBI as any FBI agent gone to prison for trying to launch a coup against president Trump. No. So why not? They've gotten gotten rich. They've gotten book deals. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I look, I mean, I think he made the right decision. I, I, I said on Twitter that this is like, you know, to call it treasonous is a little bit OBE. It's overtaken by events. Um, I don't think we're in a place where this could be called, where this could be legitimately called treason. I just don't. Um, I, I don't think we have a country anymore, uh, which is, you know, a country that has uh, a coherent national defense policy because it hasn't, it doesn't have a coherent anything policy. Um, when you have, by definition, when you have half the country doing something or advocating a particular policy that the other side can call treason, I'm sorry, it's not treason. You know, it's the dissolution of your country, and um, and you know, and 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 that's and that's uh, that's that's really where we are. I mean, um, treason for us today in 2021 is a is is anachronistic, and and I mean. Years ago, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about what are the things that we've lost? What are the con- concepts that we've lost over the course of the last 30, 40, 50 years that have, um, that have been 
kind of influential in in getting us to where to to the terrible place that we are at right now. And um, and 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 one of the things that I came up with was this this concept of sedition, you know, very closely tied to treason, um, if not synonymous. And um, it seemed to me that you know maybe half a century ago that conception disappeared when it comes to the left. You know, if Black Panthers can't be considered treasonous, if the, um, you know, maybe the last people who are, who are, who are legitimately, you know, considered traitors were the Rosenbergs, but everything after that is just like, well, you know, um, you know, he's, he's, he's making uh, good trouble or bad trouble. Or, um, you know, or, or, I mean, fuck, Angela Davis is a, is a university professor. Bill Ayers is, you know, is, you know, guilty as hell, free as a bird. Uh, the most influential figure in education policy in the United States over the last several decades. You know, we're way past the time where any of this, you know, where, where treason or sedition means anything. Um, yeah. This is the problem of us trying to operate in a system that wants to destroy us and ruin our lives, right? And the, the, that's why it's so important to, you know, have these parallel institutions. And like related to this Millie Esper stuff, I was looking up um, what Esper is up to now because he seems to have taken part in this like weird coup thing. So, of course, Esper has joined multiple board of directors of these like defense institutions. And one of them I found does business with the Chinese government. So it's just like, whatever, right? <laughs> like imagine it should be so highly inappropriate in a functional regime for a secretary of defense, what less than a year ago to join a defense contractor that's, you know, openly touting its support of like the belt and road initiative. But in today's society, this is, I think, what a lot of people don't understand about the, you know, the uniparty system in D.C. The idea that we have foreign, and this is another issue that you've been hammering home way before most people. The idea that we have foreign adversaries is only used by the left to crack down on us. You know, they, they just don't care. There is no foreign adversary to them that really matters at this point unless it can fulfill their domestic objectives. And I know you've been saying that for so long, but it's really becoming super clear now. It's not like they're not hiding in the shadows and inking secret deals. It's just out in the open now. They just don't care. Yeah. I mean, you know, thank you. Thank you for noticing um, the, you know, the, the last several years I'm, I'm writing and I'm, and I'm kind of screaming about these things and, and, you know, you, I mean, you too. And, you know, <laughs> people look at you like you're crazy and, uh, but at the end of the day, I think we've got a far better record on any of this stuff than, you know, than, than the doubters. And I'm not even talking about the, um, you know, the, the folks who are really clueless, who write for, you know, the week and, uh, and, you know, and, 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 and silly places in the Atlantic and silly places like that. But I mean, even folks at nominally conservative uh, publications just, you know, they don't know what they don't know what time it is, and, and and they haven't noticed this. I mean, one of the the pieces I wrote for Claremont actually after the the twenty uh, eighteen uh, midterm election, uh, 
and, and the Democrats' victory there was that we no longer have a shared conception of allies and adversaries on the world stage. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, we can, have, we can no longer have a coherent foreign policy. Um, we don't know who we are, so we don't know who, you know, we don't agree on who the enemy is abroad. And if you don't agree on who the enemy is abroad, you literally cannot have a foreign policy. Yeah, this goes back to what you were just saying a few minutes ago about how the left and, you know, this, this, these, the ruling class, they don't view it as treason. So why would they prosecute Mark Milley for treason? What he did was morally horrible, yeah. right? So, so he should be given, you know, another one of his medals uh, and everyone who participated in this coup will probably, they'll get a medal before they face um, prosecution, right? Like that's just the, the clown world regime that we are choosing. Oh, well, now that you now that you bring that up, mm-hmm. now that you bring that up, I fully predict he will get a presidential medal of freedom from Biden. <laughs> Maybe it will be some kind of, but at least the political reality right now is that it doesn't look to play devil's advocate. I think that even the corporate press, because they've been kind of like asking Saki and trying to get commentary from state and defense that they realize that the public perception of this is not great right now. So they're trying to like find a way to get out of this. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Millie were to retire. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even I, I think that's what they'll probably call it because, you know, they're willing to throw people under the bus if necessary and Millie, of course, was Trump, Trump's appointee. So it's not like they have any type of loyalty to this guy. He, he's probably done some stuff like overtaking the role of the president, but it's still not enough for him to be thrown under the bus. I, I think that that's a very real possibility. But again, the idea, I mean, you saw it with James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Clapper, all these IC chiefs that committed what in a normal constitutional public republic would be horrific crimes, treasonous behavior. The, these people are living their best lives. They're all you know, worth 10 times more than they were when they were at the FBI, NSA, um, all, you know, going to Aspen Institute, going to, uh, you know, for all these premier foreign offense, sure. foreign affairs events, uh, CFR, you know, they're all members of these boards. They're all part of the club. Millie's going to be part of the club regardless of, you know, how long he lasts in the Biden administration. Yeah, well, look, I mean, his place there is assured because because of this. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that he that he spoke to Costa and Woodward, you know, which is a kind of funny aside, you know, Robert Costa used to be at National Review, um, you know, so, <laughs> so, so the, uh, you know, uh, the, the conservative media is continuing its tradition in you know, clothing and feeding and, and, and preparing uh, mainstream media assassins for their work uh, going after, uh, you know, con- going after the right later in their career. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he wouldn't have, my, Millie wouldn't have said anything to them if he hadn't been proud of it. And I think he was immensely proud of it. Um, and you know what? I mean, in a way, he's not wrong as far as the calculus goes. But how crazy is that, right? That that Millie is bragging about a coup 
it's not easy. It's just, it's like the biggest F you to the opposition imaginable. It's just like straight up, I do not care what you think. I will go out of the, the, you know, your, I will shatter your boundaries, your ceilings, and I will just commit all these heinous, what we would refer to as treason in in our republic. Right. um, And worse. And he just does not give a shit. And, And it is, shocking even this amount of chutzpah is surprising because i like i know that the the state of the republic is is unhealthy but they took it to such a new level that the in your face acknowledgement of this effort is really um you know it it definitely concerns me about what the immediate future is going to look like in the united states we're still dealing with the COVID fascism, which I think will get worse going into the fall and into the winter. Um, the, the divisiveness in the country is just, you know, reaching new all-time highs every single day. Uh, what do you think? You know, what do you think is is the next move for the for the Biden regime here? What what? How are they going to play this? Do you think that they'll just continue to go with the, uh, you know, we have full confidence in Millie thing, and or or do you, do you see him eventually? getting set aside. You know what? I mean, I don't know. I think I can go both ways on that, you know, for, for reasons, you know, discussed. Um, I, I mean, in a way, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I know that I should be more outraged by this, but you reach a point where nothing surprises you and very few things outrage you the way they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, Afghanistan was one of those things where I was actually surprised at, you know, I mean, what you, you, you develop an immunity after a while to some of these outrages and you just say, well, you, you know, obviously, you know, we saw that coming. Is it within the, the, the bounds of what we expected? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, is it, is it some horrible thing that our enemies have, 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 you know, done to us as a big middle finger that they're giving us? Okay. We knew that was coming. Um, you know, whatever, tens or hundreds of thousands of unvetted Afghan, uh, you know, migrants who we've, you know, we've got no idea who they are. Yeah, let's bring them into every red state possible. Let's try, you know, let's try to tip the demographics of the country. Sure, let's do it. You know, let's and this sure. comes, this you comes know. like a month after Cubans were trying to flee the Castro or whatever the new president's name is, the regime in, in droves. And the State Department basically but, said, no, we're not going to take it there. Come here. Yeah. And How do you that. feel about child rape? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're not as progressive on child rape as the Afghans. So, you know, you guys, you guys, you know, uh, uh, can't come in. Um, it, it's, it's, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's completely, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of batshit crazy. And, and as things get worse, I think it's probably healthy to develop an attitude, you know, some, some outrage calluses uh, to the point where you're just not going crazy every day. Because again, that's unhealthy. I mean, you have to uh, recognize what these people are doing, recognize that they're enemies that want to kill you. Um, And uh, you know, and, and, but, but just, you know, sort of to be able to put the, the emotional aspect aside because the emotional aspect prevents you from thinking clearly and, and, you know, but more than that, uh, more importantly, it dispirits you. And dispiriting you is the thing that they want to do most. I mean, there's a reason why, 
nobody is condemning this general. Mm-hmm. You know, and the top reason is they all agree with him, and 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 they know it dispirits us. You know, they know it pisses us off. I mean, this it goes back to a a, a you know brilliant Obama era tactic from uh, you know from from his administration called straight, which they called stray voltage, which is that any time they got into trouble somewhere, um, do something specifically, you know, uh, calibrated to piss off the right in the country because they'll be able to weather any storm. I mean, this was a new invention of the Obama years. It used to be prior to, to Obama, it used to be that, um, that presidents didn't like to be hated and administrations didn't like that kind of controversy. Um, but the Obama, the Obama guys, you know, led by Axelrod and a couple others decided, hey, you know what, we couldn't give two fucks yeah. If, um, you know, if, if some Republicans are mad at us, as a matter of fact, it's actually really good because they get to spin themselves out on things that, that they, at the end of the day, are completely powerless to change, like Benghazi, like Fast and Furious, like the IRS scandal. And, and you know, I've even forgotten the rest of them, but there were a bunch. And um, I totally expected the Biden White House now to... Uh, to kind of use the same playbook, but I think because you know it's it's a very similar cast of characters. But interestingly enough, I don't think they're even half as half as bright as the Obama guys are. I mean, maybe this is um, maybe this is just you know Joe being Joe, or this is like the C team or whatever it is. But uh, but the the level of let's say you know communication sophistication um, where we're at right now versus the Obama years is, is, is uh, you know, is, is kind of night and day. It's probably worth writing a piece about it as time, as time goes on. Um, about yeah, and, the, and it could just be yeah. a thing where, you know, the chief messenger for your policies and your, you know, your platforms is Joe Biden. So it's, it's tough to communicate that to the public when you're telling this uh, dementia adults individual, you know, this is what the policy is going to be and to try to read it from the prompter as best you can or talk to the press. So they're at a little bit of a disadvantage. Whereas, you know, when you had Obama, he was a very effective communicator when he, yeah. especially when he wanted to attack the right. I mean, he was, he was brutally efficient. And when Biden does it, he just sounds like an angry dick. So it's like right. A, right. It's a very and, different strategy. And, and the other institutional aspect too was, I mean, frankly, Ben Rhodes is far smarter um, and, uh, than, than anyone in the White House today. And I'm surprised. I guess he's making money. I don't know why he's not there. Part of it, it expects him to show up at some point. It, it is surprising because he could be the most powerful man in D.C. if he shows up. If he wanted to. If he wanted to. Yeah. You know, and and I hope he's I not and I think, you know, with Obama kind of hanging around behind the scenes, I think he knows that that he probably needs some more support and that Susan Rice and Ron Klain aren't really sophisticated enough, I think, to do that job to the degree that the, you know, the other Obama people did. But, um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that the last few days, um, you know, I was uh, kind of like hanging out at some relative's house and, you know, they have Fox News, they have CNN, MSNBC on. What Congress has been doing the past few days, I don't know if you've been following this, they've been just yelling about Afghanistan to Tony Blinken. And, like, there's all this shit going on in our country. 
um, you know, all these issues with domestic and foreign and they're just so caught up in the Afghanistan debacle that they're just yelling at Tony Blinken, trying to get their TV time. It really shows to me that Congress is not only not a check on executive power, but they're, they've become, especially during, I think it started in the Obama years, it really ramped up, but right now, the Republican Congress is just as much a problem as the executive branch. I mean, under McConnell and McCarthy, these people, they hate us, and they you know, would have no problem sending us to the gulags too, as long as they're in charge, right? So um, the idea that we can like continue to just vote ourselves out of these historically bad problems going on in America, it's, it's like a, it's a joke to me. And, and I think we both have you know, mutual friends that are running for Congress that seem like awesome people, but much more needs to be done than just running for Congress, running for Senate, even um, the idea that these people are going, I mean, yeah, we, I would love to have some more firebrands, um, you know, like some, uh, you know, Gates's, Chip Roy's, uh, Marjorie, even Marjorie Taylor Green. These people are so maligned, Louis Gomer, uh, people that are coming in to make a difference. But the reality is, you know, 535 members of Congress, maybe we have 10 that get it, <laughs> right? So it, it's just, it, it's a very, going through the political process is, is very hopeless right now. Right. But the inst- institutionally, mm-hmm. we don't have very many options. You know, we, we just don't have very many options institutionally. I mean, we see what happens when, um, you know, when Republicans control the legislative branch, you know, which is to say very little. Um, you know, they, they, the Republican leadership makes sure that, you know, that, that nothing, uh, that, that nothing is done. And really, I mean, we're in a situation where we only, we only move further left. Yeah. Well, Mitch and, McConnell, he's going to fight for tax cuts for Amazon right. and Google. So that, right. that's, well, that's, well, that's, that's, <laughs> but that, that's priority one through 25 mm-hmm. and priority 26 through a hundred is, you know, for military contractors. Right. And that, that's, that's another know, big issue that, that we can talk about is the idea that increasing the defense budget is a good idea is such a ridiculous fallacy at this point that it's like it's, it's criminal for, for people to support the increase of the defense budget. Um, I don't even want to call it the defense budget. It's really just the Pentagon's black budget to do whatever the F they want to do. So the idea that Republicans should be voting yes, like that should definitely be, in my, in my opinion, should be one of the litmus tests for future uh, GOP candidates is, you know, what we need to know what they feel, how they feel about the FBI, DOD, especially with with this stuff going on. Um, But yeah, look, if you're a Republican candidate and you don't have a lot to say about the department of justice and the politicization of, uh, of, of the DOJ and and, and the FBI and, and, uh, and law enforcement, I mean, you know, what good are you? Useless. What what good what good are you to us? Okay, so you you know you vote for for you know you will um you know you will sign off on the Clifford Asnes uh you know billionaire um uh, uh you know agenda of of you know low taxes and low regulation so that uh you know you can live in Aspen and uh you know uh, Martha's Vineyard and uh, and and uh, wherever wherever the hell he lives. Um, I mean, that's, that's priorities to them. 
but increasingly for for the American people, it's 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 um, you know not, it's a completely different set of priorities, and and these priorities are antagonistic to one another. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, look, I mean, I I you know you mentioned some of our friends who are running for office in Washington. I'm totally against it. And I've been I've been completely honest with all of our friends, all the people we know who are, want to run or are running. I think they're wonderful. I totally support them to the hilt, completely. But I just say, you know, run for governor, run for state house. Yeah. Make sure that go find yourself, get into a red state, and and uh, and and join the legislature and take it over. You know, what's the, you know, you, you have this idea and, and we saw, I mean, we can talk about, about California too and the, and the um, you know, and the, and the total wasteland, useless, um, uh, you know, political uh, scene out there. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, at the end of the day, there was the old conventional wisdom that, that needs to die. The old conventional wisdom that said, um, hey, 51% of the vote in, you know, in the federal government, hey, we, you know, we got something, this is it. No, that's the, the calculus is different now. I would rather have, you know, an 80% majority in a state house in a red state or a 90% majority and the ability to get anything done that we want, um, you know, than, uh, than sort of whatever, 50 plus one in, in Washington, D.C. I don't even think it's a close call, especially for what's coming, you know, and, and, and the period that's coming, if we're lucky, if we're not lucky, it's going to be worse. But if we're very lucky, the period that's coming is going to be based red states against the federal government in, you know, in, in a variety of different ways and using, you know, and, and, and on different battlefields. Um, yeah. The, we have to basically turn these states into citadels of based people that, um, are essentially transforming hopefully either into their own nations or into their own kind of, um, you know, shared republics in that sense that, you know, we need to find a way to break off from this federal regime. Um, I also wanted to go back to Millie for a second, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are interested in how a guy like Millie and his colleagues, you know, how do they work their way up to becoming these you know multi-star generals and what does that say kind of about our overall like foreign policy and national security outlook over decades that we have all these kind of like useless pathetic um woke generals that are in charge of the pentagon and i there i think i don't i'm wondering what your opinion on this is that for me it's kind of like decades of foreign policy and national security ridiculousness has led to this moment where we just have all these pathetic people in, in, you know, the upper echelons of the Pentagon. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I agree. It's a natural, it's a, it's a natural devolution. You know, as I say a lot, entropy is a thing. And, you know, what ends up happening, I mean, who's the one that said it first, you know, um, you know, a students hire, hire B students who hire C students who hire, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, you know, and, and this is what this is what we've come to. We've created a situation where there's where um, where the folks in um, in these, uh, you know, in, in the in the bureaucracy um, are required to do a lot of graduate school work. 
and they need PhDs, they need multiple advanced degrees. And in order to get these degrees, they've got to go through a, you know, what amounts to a system of, uh, you know, ideological conformity. And uh, these people are more like academics and uh, professors than they are, right. you know, military men. Yeah, Millie is a perfect example. I mean, I'm looking at his resume right now. His bachelor's, uh, went, he went to Princeton, then he got a master's at Columbia, uh, which is like, you know, the most radical university in America, most radically anti-American uh, founding um, Naval War College, MIT, uh, and the list goes on. No, so but, but, but this motherfucker, this motherfucker spent more time and energy figuring out how he could leapfrog from one elite institution um, to another in order to make his resume look impressive than he has thinking about winning a war, than he has thinking about, you know, America, you know, the America of the founding, um, or really his response in general. <laughs> Winning a war, yeah. This guy, this guy's calling China, telling them that we're taking right. the first strike option off the table. <laughs> you're, t you're, it's just like laughably offensive that these people have any grounding in actual. I, I think that they've probably read the books that we've read, but to the extent that they can, like, kind of like process that and put it into the equation of some type of policy formation is just. They just they just don't get it, and it, and it goes to show you. I've seen all these Millie memes that have emerged, kind of like these uh, Sun Tzu like knockoff quotes. Right, they're there. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's just so embarrassing that these are the people in charge, and it's just another reason to get away from this regime because it's not just that they hate us. It's it's kind of like a you know an optimistic thing is that these people suck at their jobs and they're they're not impressive. So imagine if if we could put together something with, um, you know, we had generals in, in our Republic that had actually learned from the lessons of, you know, this 21st century and even late 20th century or mid 20th century with Vietnam of, of awful, horrendous wars. And just, I would love to see you know, some type of parallel institutions created because there's just no stopping this train, uh, to yeah. help right now. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, one of the great things here is that, as you said, people now realize that the emperor has no clothes. People yes. now realize that these, that these people, I mean, if you would look at this guy, you know, you'd look, I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, he, 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 he looks like he hasn't passed a physical in decades. Um, but like, you look at this guy and he's got that, you know, his face, the whole thing, you know, I mean, his, his haircut, he's got the look of a, of a, you know, legitimate general, like, okay, you know, he's, he's someone who you would see cast as a, you know, a, as an extra in, in a, in a, like in a, in a movie like 24 as the, um, the, you know, right. the, 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 um, <laughs> the, I, uh, I bet he would love to be cast in, in Hollywood. Oh no, no, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. But, but now the American people see these guys and it's like a punchline, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, a lot of people still have this idea in their heads that uh, that these folks are the same type of people that they thought we knew back then. 
you know, a lot of people who grew up in the in the um, in, in the sixties, seventies, eighties. You know, I mean, you had an idea of, um, you know, you had an idea of the competence of some of these people. For example, though, the first one to sort of break, I think the first one like this to sort of break uh, the mold when it comes to competence was um, was Colin Powell. Yes, I think it was. It was, he was one of these guys who. Um, you know, once he was in the uh, in the Bush administration, and you actually got to sort of see him up close, um, and you know, obviously subsequently, um, you know, his opposition to McCain and you know and and Trump and basically every Repo Republican uh, since since uh, George W. Bush. Yeah, you kind of like use your logic and your reason to evaluate what these generals have been saying for decades, especially about Afghanistan and, you know, McChrystal's uh, and um, what was his name? Petraeus's counterinsurgency plans and, you know, how the media was always hyping this stuff up as brilliant, you know, these philosopher warriors like Mattis. And they were all just full of shit. You know, they, oh they had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> and they were just like drawing these sophisticated graphs. And have you looked have you seen the full layout of yes, the counterinsurgency yes, 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 yes. operations? Right. So that was that was that was something that that Steve Coughlin um, and 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 some others um, used to take to briefings around 2009, 2010 mm -hmm. um, on Capitol Hill and elsewhere when when he'd give these briefings and and he'd show this to members of Congress and the members of Congress would be like, I mean, I would see it, I'd be in the room. Members of Congress would be like, like people make sense of this? This is insane. And it was, <laughs> it was, it, it, well, it was almost like an acid test. Right. It's like, if you see it and you think it's great, then it's like, okay, we have nothing else to talk about because you're it, obviously. It's like, it's like postmodern art in that, in that way that it's just, it's what you make of it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and it's just, no, I mean, it, it's just, it's just completely crazy. And, and, you know, so like, this is another episode where at the end of the day, it could be laudable because more and more people need to keep need to keep waking up and that's really been i mean as far as i'm concerned that's really been the name of the game for the last couple of years which is the outrages must continue until more and more people wake up and and i see evidence of the fact that, that is happening i mean you cover covid you know extensively and um i'll tell you as somebody who like doesn't really you know doesn't really get involved in covid um as much as the kind of you know, personal local freedom issues around here in Florida. Um, I will talk to people and folks who were not political two years ago, who had no idea who the governor was or who their senators were or whatever, what party they belonged to. Um, now they, a lot of them are based and they, um, you know, they're just, they're just completely outraged. They're, you know, they, um, they're, uh, they're furious you know, as well they should be. And for the first time really in their lives, they're thinking about politics. They're understanding why it matters who your governor is. You know, if it, if it was DeSantis or Gillum, n not even the whole state, but really the whole country would have turned out differently. So there are, um, you know, I mean, this is at the end of the day, it's like, this is a giant public education project that we are all on. And, and because we don't have that much that it's possible for us to do right now. You know, we don't have power. Um, the only thing that we can do is wait and like you and I do every day, 
try to explain what is happening and try to get people to notice the outrages and notice the failures and notice the, the regime that is completely crumbling and, in my opinion, lacks any legitimacy whatsoever. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the biggest hurdles is when we say things like what you just said, um, disseminating that message to the masses. That's why it's so important to subscribe to Late Republic Nonsense Day's <laughs> Substack because um, it's just you know, Alex Berenson, you know, the uh, top, I guess, contrarian reporter on COVID stuff, who's been a lot more right than he was wrong, has been banned forever. So um, I think, you know, a ban could come from it at any of us at any moment. We could wake up tomorrow and, and yeah. you know, all our followers are gone. Everybody's gone. It's, um, it's you know, so uh, why things like Substack are important. Yeah. And these oligarchs just don't want you to know the truth about, you know, where our regime is and what our regime is doing, especially, you know, the COVID and the military stuff is right at the top of their, uh, you know, their hunt for so-called disinformation is that they are very threatened by these counter narratives and they will do everything they can to keep the regime in place. So yeah, everyone's support is, is super appreciated during these times because, you know, I can't, um, overstate the the importance of you know the, the time we're living in and how important it is just to you know for people to get the word out about you know the the truth of what's going on in this country and even throughout the world at this point in time right thank you and and to you know to and and to uh to return the favor the dossier jordan's um substack is one of the the things that um that i read is you know his his posts are you know, one of the few things I read as soon as it hits my inbox. And, uh, and you know, Jordan has been doing such great work. I mean, really, since the beginning of this thing has, uh, has, has, uh, has kicked off, you've been on the beat. And, uh, and you've taken a lot of the, the, the slings and arrows. And you've been right. You know, you've been right uh, a lot. And you don't give a fuck. Which is, <laughs> you know, which is, which is a really admirable thing. Um, and... Um, and, you know, because you, because of your, you know, the positions that you take here, I mean, you just saw, you just said with the, the Alex Berenson example, I mean, you could be gone tomorrow for contrarian takes on COVID. Um, I think we both agree that contrarian takes on COVID is not going to be the end of what will banish you from, uh, you know, from. Yeah. I mean, Trump Trump's gone for saying that he wouldn't attend inauguration. <laughs> that was their right. official excuse. Um, but yeah, so it is 659 and we are um, good religious Jews. So we need to, <laughs> we need to wrap this up and um, yeah, have a nice, um, have a nice fast and uh, all that good stuff. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you all for uh, for, for listening, and uh, we're going to end the broadcast.